I keep bandaging as long as I possibly can until finally I run out of bandages. Then I wait for the storm to to take me. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I'm crawling around. I, I still, by the way, have never seen an enemy player this entire time. Mm-hmm. As soon as I die, a message pops up on screen. It's like such and such has won the game. Somebody wins. I open up the scoreboard. I got second place. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 168 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm a confused debugger. I'm Sam and I'm the node wiggler. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Sippin' Bourbon 2018. This is the best day. The best day of the year. September 10. Uh, 2018. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity, and we're going to talk about stuff that children may not, uh, well, I guess parents may not want their children to hear. Children obviously want children to hear. really want to hear all these things. Uh, all because time. they're just genuinely curious mm-hmm. about life, and they just want to know. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. want to know why. Uh, but I guess if you're a kid, get out of here or something. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Let's talk about first... Thank you all uh, for supporting us via our Ko-Fi page over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. DJ Kaufman left a message. Your podcast has brought me hours of wisdom and laughter. I want to play your games too now, but it cuts into my comic drawing time. I'll do it anyways. Uh, (laughs) I will say hours is pretty good given the 160 hours. Yeah. So – Mm-hmm. Yeah. So about a percent of this has been very helpful. It's yeah. been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, out of 160 <laughs> hours of podcast, he's gotten just, you know. Yeah. Some, about $4. we <laughs> <laughs> discovered. Uh, also, he wanted to plug his comic that he's drawing. I did go read it. It's actually pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Secret Forces uh, is the name of the comic over at secretforces.net. So – so I guess. Although to be clear, moving forward, this is not an advertising platform. It is well, not. This it is, is the first now. and last time. This it is, is going now to about the cheapest advertising you could ever pay for. So, right? so of time. course, <laughs> based on normal market economics, as the demand for advertising via this podcast goes up, you know that price is going to go up. Mm-hmm. So you it, know, yeah. If we the if price we, of that donation, this is going to go away. This is uh, this is part of our plan to slowly convert the podcast into just a An constant stream of advertisements. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Cameron. Cameron Solu uh, said, I looked at this money grab and thought, can I not? The answer was no. I can't not. That was the correct answer. Mm, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> uh, love your games. Love the cast. Love everything you guys do. Keep it up. So thank you very much. And also thanks to our recurring supporters uh, as well. All right. Studio news. All right. So that's we have some big stuff. So we, we, were we pre-recorded two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Then we went to PAX. Some shit has, has gone that down. That seemed like it was a million years ago. It really ago. does. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten 13 new wrinkles around my eyes mm-hmm. since then. I guess there's an easy one I'm going to kick out just first, which is that the newest Ballyhoo has gone out. Yes. And so – That's our newsletter. That's our newsletter. So if you're signed up for a newsletter, then that should be in your inbox. If it's not, you can see it on the blog. Mm-hmm. And that has sort of actually the recap of the really big highlights from PAX for us, which actually yes. mainly happened – We left out the low lights and the medium you lights. You don't need the low Just lights. keep the high ones. Um, Although I hear art is better if you if your shading includes all Art of is things. better, but news is way worse. <laughs> 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 They're not the same thing. I feel like there's um, some – there's some like there's, something about there's a, like a poetry in there. Yeah, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, yeah. Sort of go. thing. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we went to Nintendo HQ. So the big secret that we had to hold on to literally for the last six weeks is we've been, you know, we've been announcing various things happening to Levelhead, and then also talking about the fact that we're playing. We just happen to be playing games on the Switch, sort of simultaneously. Uh-huh. So uh, no one, I think people are kind of guessing, but um, you know, we couldn't say anything about it that we had actually been building out level head for the switch so that Nintendo could announce it uh, basically at PAX. So that was this like really big, crazy underground operation. Um, it was a really intense sprint basically for us for about six weeks because not only was it about building all these new features of the game, like the local co-op, uh, but also trying to polish it up to a point where when we demoed it to press at Nintendo HQ, that they would be like, Oh, they'd be like, nice. This is nice. Like it's not just Mario maker. This is your thing. And it's nice. Uh, so that was sort of the, the bigger goal from that. And so we were just pounding the pavement like crazy for, for that whole six weeks, but we also couldn't talk about it, which was, it's just increasingly a bummer, whatever that happens. Cause you're just, yeah. all of us are very excitable people. I feel like, well, this is, this is kind of the, there's an upside and a downside to working with, th- with third parties like mm-hmm. this, which is of course, 
you get this big boost, right? So having Nintendo Tremendous. also talking about our stuff means yeah. that we get a bigger chance. Yeah, of- I mean, if you if you just like count, you know, views and likes and whatever those those various mm-hmm. metrics that are publicly visible, uh, Nintendo's announcement stuff about Level Head is slightly bigger than is ours. A, was all collectively <laughs> what I think could be three, possibly five percent percent bigger. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I think ten x, but yeah, at least. Well, yeah, at that's least. if you don't even count the. The actual showcase video. Right, correct. If you don't count it. Which has half a million views, I think, at this point. Or 400,000 or something. Right. Um, So, you know, that's a slight boost. And then, but then on the downside is that we have to make sure that we, you know, adhere to whatever requirements they have about announcements we make regarding their involvement. Yes, because it has to be news. Has to be news. Like if, if as soon as we got off the phone with Nintendo... We just emailed every press person. Sorry, I just live tweeted it. Right. Then, Sorry, then when Nintendo <laughs> yeah. wanted to do a big, you know, video announcement, then they then they wouldn't be announcing anything. They'd mm-hmm. just be telling people shit they already knew and then right. it's not news. So, so my favorite part about it was that we they actually invited us to go to Nintendo HQ in North America. So this is out in Redmond, outside of Seattle. Um, and so we flew out there sort of the day before PAX and did a press event at the HQ. And what this included was we also got to we got to wander around and like talk to people inside Nintendo, which is super cool. But the biggest part about it was they basically trapped us in a room with press, which yeah. if there's anything indie developers need, it's to be trapped in a room with press. And so yep. uh, the best part about it was, you know, we had uh, I don't know if the press by. needed it, but we needed we it. We definitely did. <laughs> yeah. I think they lured them there because they're like, come to Nintendo. You always wanted to be at Nintendo. And then they just threw them in a room with us. Yeah. And so that yeah. was press kind of were like, damn it. <laughs> they got it. <laughs> um, Yes, yeah, so we got to, and then we just sat down and demoed, and it was a two-hour chunk of time, and we had practiced this demo just in, in an immense amount, uh, sort of on our little couch here in the studio, and then went out there, and that that two hours just disappeared. It just blew by. It was just, it was a whirlwind, and we talked to, the primary people we actually ended up talking to was IGN uh, and Shaq News. So Shaq News is the first people sat down, and then a little bit later, IGN came by, uh, and both their editors ended up coming by, which is super exciting. And they put out a video about it, which is two in the videos. Two videos about it. One is one is just a big chunk of gameplay that they recorded, about 13 minutes of me and, and one of the other editors playing through the game. And then uh, the other one was actually like a three-minute thing where they're sort of giving their off-the-cuff thoughts about it right afterward. Uh, and that was really good to hear because the whole goal we've had is is yes, you know, this game is inspired by something like Super Mario Maker in terms of you get to build these levels, it's got all this platforming and and the social components, but we've been really p- trying to push it to the point where you where people can understand that it's not that. It's very much sort of like our version of it and then also expanded in these other really other weird, yeah. interesting ways. So, so we actually posted that video over to the Levelhead subreddit, mm-hmm. over over at Levelhead, or reddit.com slash r slash Levelhead. You can find all of these at levelhead.bscotch.net. That's right. That's the most convenient <laughs> collection of all the things. Uh, how many URLs are we going to throw out? I know, just all, all of them. It's going to be a lot. I, what I assume is that everybody listening just has a notepad and they're just like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. let me just write yeah, that. But you the know, beauty is because everything is going to be .bscotch.net, just remember the one word each time. Mm-hmm. Money grab. Podcast. Mm-hmm. Levelhead. Levelhead. Uh, so we got one more coming too. Yeah, we do, which, yeah. Which little teaser for yeah. you. Just that there's a URL coming. <laughs> um, yeah, so we posted that video over at uh, the Levelhead subreddit, and and we had a, a somebody wrote sort of their initial feedback on it, their initial sort of response to mm-hmm. just like looking at the game. And there's some really great feedback in there, really good questions. And they had said that, like, you know, this feels – I thought it was going to be like Mario Maker, but this honestly feels a lot more like an action platformer mm. um, versus just platformer platformer. It's true right? that you do punch things and throw bombs at things. Yeah, like we yeah. have these weird power-ups. You're shooting things out of your face. You're right. flinging yourself. You're grabbing your friends and hurling them across gaps. You know, like there's just a lot more sort of stuff going mm-hmm. on um, versus just like jumping on jumping on things and throwing mm-hmm. things. So uh, so that was kind of cool to see that like that, that differentiated – factor yeah. is showing right. and the people are able to kind of see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was super cool. Uh, also, when we went to PAX, something really important happened, which that? is Giant Muskrat showed up uh, yeah. and handed us a loaf of bread. So if you get the battle here, you actually see a picture of it in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we took a picture of that bread, put it in our newsletter. Emailed it to 130,000 <laughs> <laughs> uh, But even... Even more importantly, so so he and I met up uh, on the show floor at PAX, and we just chatted for a bit, and so he then unloaded out of his bag this enormous loaf of bread, chatted a bit more, and then all of a sudden he turned around again and brought his backpack out again, unzipped it, and then handed out some NASA badges mm-hmm. because he used to work at NASA. And so he so for those who are familiar, Giant Muskrat is just one of the people who is sort of in our, in our general community and fandom, and it's been around for a while. 
He's also been the one who's who's bought people snacks and stuff during the Shenanah Jam. Yeah, he's all around good. Just a good person. And then he, but he, he's basically the Beastgodge community philanthropist. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he follows up with then again a few minutes later a third time, bringing out the bag. And this mm. was probably the best time, which is then he pulled out slowly. A copy of Metaphorgasm by Sam. Costa. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. We I didn't, didn't tell you about this. this. No. Because <laughs> I told him to go try to find because he, because he, oh, he said he brought it for Sam this to is the- tear in half s- symbolically. But I was like, <laughs> no, you have to instead have him sign it. Um, and I said, even oh, better because, because I was like, Sam has not seen your face. It yet. would have been even more symbolic if Sam tried to tear it in half but couldn't. Yes. <laughs> That'd be more like, what's it happened with it? But yeah. So, but I said it would be even better because Sam's never seen your face before, as far as I know. Which means you, if you can find him somewhere in the show, because I don't know where he was at the time. Just but hold like, the find book him. Up. Just hold the book up while he's talking to somebody else, and just you know, look him right in the eyeballs. And then when you finally get get in there, oh, get, you know, get him engaged, then be really confused about what what butterscotch shenanigans is, <laughs> but be be very excited that you have met the author of Metaphorgasm, oh your favorite book, your favorite that you carry book. with you. <laughs> So met- Metaphorgasm, Ooh. for those who don't know, Duh. is Sam's book of poetry that he wrote. Oh as my a god, fresh twenty-year-old, yeah, 20, no, 18, 18, 19. 19. It's one of those. Ugh. It's one of those things. You know, if you're eighteen, nineteen, you want to publish a book. It's one of those skeletons that just won't seem to die. Yeah, you, you want to publish a book, and and you're like, I'm eighteen. I know things about the world, and you do yeah. it. And then mm-hmm. as you age, you're oh, like, no, it's a book of poetry too, which is even worse. Yeah, because it's yeah. just you know. As you get older, you look back and you're like, "Oh no, what have I what done?" What was I thinking? But yep. then you forget your you forget how to how to get into the publisher side of Amazon and yep. and how you did that whole thing. Hundred percent correct. And, now, <laughs> and then by the end of this podcast, <laughs> Sam will have forgotten we even talked about it, so he'll take no effort to go try to remove it. Basically, every three to six months, someone reminds me that it exists. Yep, and then, and I'm then like, you I have to really moment. go do that, <laughs> and then I go try and I can't figure it out. For about five minutes, and I'm like, I guess who cares? I know several of our of our podcast listeners have bought this book and then taken pictures of it to send through Discord. I have to, made just it. to troll Sam. <laughs> I think I have made money that I haven't claimed through Amazon because I also don't even know. Yeah, how to I get don't know money. how to get that money. <laughs> it's like it's just Amazon just it's has an escrow. It. It's just stuck in. There's probably a whole like fifteen buckaroonies in probably. there. Probably watch out. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> now the biggest news we have for this episode is that we have a convention mm-hmm. coming, as in it's ours. The it's Shenanicon. Our, the Shenanicon. We called it the Buttercon for a little while, but then we thought that was too... It's, it's like, not really for, about butter. It's it more about dairy products. Yeah. It's more about shenanigans. Yeah. Um, and also it kind of jives with the Butterscotch Shenana Jam. Mm-hmm. So now this is the Butterscotch Shenanicon. Yeah. Uh, so the idea here is we've got a very limited space. We've got maybe room for like, 50, 50 to 60 people. I think we're, and so we're going to do a four hour event. It's going to be October 20th. Mark mm-hmm. your, mark your calendars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then go over to meet.bscotch.net. Get all the details. Tickets are $15. Yes. And that's going to cover. Uh, so it's going to be a four hour long event. We're going to have sort of a meet and greet. We're going to record a live podcast episode. The first one we've ever done. We've never done this before. Who knows yeah. if that'll even go. Who knows? It's going to – it'll go, but we don't I know. I mean, it will go. happen. Yeah. We can't – We can't this uh, is vouch the, for its quality. This is why <laughs> the tickets are $15, mm-hmm. okay? So well, it's mostly because we're we're donating all of our time plus all the time of our, uh, our wonderful people who are putting it together. Yes. And – then we're basically just having you pay for the food that you're eating. Yeah. So you're, you're <laughs> effectively getting a, a very free We're going to eat, eat some losses on this event. Yeah. But it's an experiment. We want to see, you know, what this would be like if it's if it's uh, going to be something that, like, that people are super pumped about, that it gets a good response. Um, and then, of course, next year and in the future years, of it's course, gonna be like it'll be like five hundred dollars a ticket. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna be we'll really have, up there. We'll have huge sponsorships. It'll yep. be one of the like the you know when when politicians put on those like you know silver pl- oh yeah, plate yeah. fundraisers Ooh, yeah. and it's like forty nine thousand dollars a plate. You know yeah. that that's what it's gonna be next year. This year it's fifteen dollars. Um, so, so get in there early, and it's also very limited because we're since it is an experiment, we're. We're going small mm-hmm. because we even it's know easier if, to contain quality. I'm yeah, sure. and we don't even know if small is too big because who knows who wants to come to this. <laughs> so, uh, so we're we're starting small. So if you if you do want to go, get in there ASAP. Yes, so so we'll do the so we'll do the meet and greet. We'll do the live podcast episode. There will be food. We'll 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 be catering food mm-hmm. yeah. there, and then also uh, we're gonna have some little uh, gameplay of Level Head that we people can actually get their hands on. Mm-hmm. And get kind of an early sneak peek 
yeah, play the dang game long before it comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, also probably the, the Crashlands update, mm-hmm. uh, which we haven't told anybody I'm anything about. Any and we're still it. not going to. Uh, but, you might have to sign an NDA if you come to this event. Yeah, yeah, it, depends, it, depends, yeah it depends on what the situation is once we get there. But uh, we're hoping that by that time we're ready to launch this update, mm-hmm. but we still have no idea when that's actually going to happen. But yeah, so that's Butterscotch Shenanicon happening October 20th. Go to meet.bscotch.net. That's M-E-E-T, not M-E-A-T. There will, be, there will be meat there. Yeah, the current plan is to have piles of meat because that way we can gather around the meat piece. Right, mm-hmm. we got to gather around the meat pieces. We will also make sure that there's you know vegan and vegetarian options because mm-hmm. – you know, in case. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Let's gather around the I wheat guess. pieces in that case. Gather around the wheat pieces. The wheat mm-hmm. piece. Yep. Uh, so whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, we'll, you know, we'll make sure. We'll make sure that we get everybody covered. With uh, the green piece. Yeah. So go. check that out. And then we'll we'll throw out another couple of reminders um, over the next couple of episodes. But that's coming. That's like five or six weeks. Yeah. yeah so away. get that on your calendars. Make your travel plans. Yes. All right. Now, on the way to PAX. What? You know, there's this airplane trip. Right. Takes about four hours. Got to grab a book. Got to get something to read. So I scrounged around on Amazon, Mm -hmm. found a book called Deep Work. Mm -hmm. I thought, this seems fine. (laughs) I've seen this in my Amazon queue many times. Every time I read the the sort of info about it, I was like, oh, this is just a summary of what we're already doing. You're like, this is a summary of what we're already doing. So why do I need to read this? And it turns out that you need to read it because it's a summary of what, what we're already we're doing. doing. Yeah. And a really good summary. Yeah. And so we don't need to go too in-depth on this book because it literally is a summary of everything mm-hmm. that we always talk about when it comes to productivity, getting shit done, getting a lot out of your work, out of life, etc. Mm-hmm. So I'll just say, just if you're going to read one book in the next – Now-ish. Whatever in your life, mm-hmm. from this point forward, just get this book. It's called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Uh, it's actually a pretty quick read as well. And it just has an excellent total summary on how to just get all kinds of shit done. Mm-hmm. It encapsulates everything that we talk about on and this think podcast. It pairs nicely with Getting Things Done, the, yes. the other book. We're Getting Things Done is, is all about <laughs> the practice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Getting Things Done, the author basically sets up this entire practical framework for how you would go about getting things done. Uh, I think, honestly, you can really skip most of it. It uses lots of paper and stuff, which mm-hmm. – on the one hand, there's some benefits of, but on the other hand, we live in the future. So, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. Um, but the uh, the advice there, that practical advice, is really just sort of a distillation of practice that comes from this sort of collection of ideas that are in deep work. Um, so I, we, probably, we might want to talk about a few of the consequences. Yeah. So one of the cool things that I'm excited about is that we realize, like, we have no mechanism. So so the whole, the whole concept of deep work is, like, you get the most out of your work when you – Eliminate all distractions and you just really deeply focus for a period of time. So you're not checking your email. You're not going to Reddit. You're not checking Twitter. You're not checking Discord. You're you're not getting text messages. No phone calls. But the best part about it is that if you work like that, that it takes you considerably less time to accomplish basically everything. Which means that – And you do burn out quicker. Sure. Because you're you're just doing shit. You're actually doing things and focusing. Um, And and you want to – so you want to avoid all interruptions, right? Well, most people work in an open office kind of environment or at least one where people can just wander in and interrupt you. So even if you have a cubicle, you know, somebody comes roaming in and they got to tell you a story right. or some crap that you don't need to hear because you're trying to get stuff done. Uh, so we, in, in our office, we ordered uh, these, I think they were like 15 bucks, these little desk lights that are like, it's called a puck light. Yeah. Where it's, it's like one of those little, ones you, it's like the ones you used to probably have in like a closet or a pantry that were attached to the wall. You like slap the button sort of a yeah. thing. You slap the light itself and it turns on. Yeah. It's one of those, but tiny. Yeah. Does it use, does it use triple A's, double A's? What's the? It uses, uh, it's just, re, it recharges with a little USB. Thing. Yeah. Oh, so it just lasts nice. for a long time. It's Is it uses, also a mug warmer? Uh, might, it might get warm. You okay. can put your mug on you it. it. You mm-hmm. can, it, it, you know, worst case scenario, the mug will warm it. Yeah, you know? true, yeah. So either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so what we're going to do is we're sticking these on the corners of our desks. And if you're in a mode where you're like, I am not taking interruptions, period. Nobody talk to me. You just slap the puck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Turn on your brain globe. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. And then that's a signal to everybody else that like, hey, they're running hot right now. So don't, don't, yeah, don't derail their train, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think everybody wants to have. You want to have a you want to have a socially acceptable mechanism to just basically tell everybody like, hey, get, get the fuck out of my yeah. business, <laughs> yeah. yep. but without having to say explicitly that because that's I guess rude or something. Right. Or really, it's it's not having to react to it is really the the issue. Yeah, because right? if someone comes in and and 
if they have already interrupted you, you don't want to say, say leave me alone. Leave me alone. I got to get back to work because you're, you're already because now you're rude. Yeah, you're well, you're rude, and you're also already derailed. So you know, it's kind of the moment has passed. The moment has passed. Yeah. Uh, so we so we got our brain globes coming. I think those will probably come today, and then we'll get to experiment mm-hmm. with those. Mm-hmm. We are off Discord now during the workday for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, and what? Yeah. So we we kind of restructure our day to try to maximize these chunks of deep work time, which is pretty. It's been really good. Yeah. Been real good. So we're leaning back on email. So we're getting off of instant messaging because instant messaging is the best way to waste your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, uh, and it creates this really easy kind of default thing to at any time you have a second of downtime, you're like, oh, let me go check it real quick. And then you kind of pop back in there and then yep. you're yep. – then you fall down the hole. So we'll, we'll report back as we go into yeah. this deep work trade. But I think one of the most insightful things about this is, is the idea that you know if you ever go into a library, it's like, oh, this is a place of learning. So everybody shut your mouth, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the vibe <laughs> of the library. It's quiet. It's quiet and people speak very quietly because they don't want to distract other people. Then when you go into an office, mm-hmm. it's the it's like you're in a bar. So like, what you're saying is that for office managers, people should be poaching librarians Ooh, from yes. libraries. Yeah, you need you need somebody who just goes. Yeah, yeah. you need somebody <laughs> wearing a cardigan with like a with like glasses with that rope thing on yeah. the back, and the glasses are kind of down at the tip of their nose, and then they yep. look over their glasses, mm, and, and it they, just freezes you in your and tracks. Just like, excuse me, yeah, yeah, excuse me, like that. <laughs> uh, those people will help you get shit done. I love it. So worst case scenario, if you can't afford a brain globe, hire a part-time uh, mm-hmm. librarian to yep. shush you. Or just go to the library. Or just go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess a, it is free. Yeah, That's that true. is another path. Uh, all right, Sam. Mm. I heard you have a story. I have a Jim Bro story that, that tickled me pink the other day. <laughs> so <laughs> I wonder how many times that phrase has been uttered. About Jim Bros. I, I have know. a Jim Bros story that tickled me pink. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was at the gym and there's these uh, there's these two dudes and they are one dudes. of them is wearing a supplement t- cut off shirt. Okay, sure. is it one of those ones that's cut really oh, yeah, low cut on the side? Because he's like, look at my latissimus. Uh huh. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've worn those before. They're fun. So he but he's got one of the and it's supplement and then he's just huge and then his buddy also gigantic. And they're both sort of chatting, and they're they're benching just some. I don't even know how many plates. They're just, just like all of it. And they're just animals, and so they're just going and they're talking about their days and stuff. And I'm just like doing some calf raises or something nearby, and uh, and I overhear, and it was this sort of comical collision of what you'd sort of consider your 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 usual sort of bro speak, but then with this like weird understanding of how to treat women well happening and so basically what happened was <laughs> this guy was like yeah so you know i was talking to i'll call her Susie. i was talking to Susie the other day and, and uh, you're sitting there and you're like here it comes yeah and i was like oh god because i mean look at this and so because <laughs> you're, you're judging these I'm guys. Ju- i was judging yeah, yeah i was judging so he's like i was talking to Susie the other day and uh and you know like she just she just hasn't been really paying to hasn't really been talking to me hasn't really been paying attention to me even though i've been around you know and so i finally said to him i was like you know Susie, what's like what's the deal and she said, she said to me, you know, one of my pet peeves is men who act like I owe them something. And he goes, yeah. And I just, I realized, like, my expectations are completely out of way. <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy as, was like. As they're like, so they're benching. Yeah, and the other guy was sitting there. He's like, oh, oh. And he's like, yeah, you know, because <laughs> if I expect that, like, not only does it put her in a bad position, but my, my interaction with her is almost guaranteed to be bad. Because if she doesn't, maybe she's busy, you know? <laughs> There's no reason she's not paying. She's just got stuff going on. And the guy's like, yeah. The guy's like, yeah, bro. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so the guy's right. And I was just listening. To this. I was like, it was so, the rapper of it was so strange because of the sort of bro culture thing. And then at some point, like three neurons in your brain just like twisted in a knot. Yeah. You're just like, ow. It was amazing. <laughs> One of my favorite things. These two dudes just benching stuff like crazy. St- yeah, Pretty man. good. My gym you, can't, you can't judge. You can't judge a book by its giant by muscle. Its giant pectoral dance. Yes. Well, <laughs> after they've spoken, then you can. I yeah, think that's, that's the lesson. Yeah. You got to yeah. listen first. You got to listen mm-hmm. first. Then, then, judge. then judge. It's very heartwarming. All right. So I also have a story. What you got? I played Fortnite for the first time. Mm. Okay. Uh, so I – and I still have only played one match. So here's what happened. Mm-hmm. I got a Nintendo Switch. I bought it from the Nintendo headquarters because while I was there, I was like – it's I the mean, place to get one. Yeah, I, this is like this is right. This is like this is like getting water right out of the glacier. You know, mm-hmm. like you just it's it's fresh, mm-hmm. piping hot, right off the it's crisp right, right out switch. of the oven. They bake them right there on site. Yeah. Uh, so I bought a fresh piping hot switch. 
took it home and I was like, oh, I can need some games. I'll get Fortnite because I think people are playing this now. It's free also. Also, it's free. So, uh, so I start playing it. I'm looking around. I'm like, I can't figure out how to do anything. I can't figure out how to customize my character. There's no tutorial. So I don't quite know how to even play the thing. So I just hit the play button and it just it just dunks me into a match with 100 people. This is a 100-person battle royale. You got to kill everybody and then the last person standing is the winner. Mm-hmm. And then based on the order in which you died, that's your rank. So if you were like the ninth person left alive, you get ninth place, right? So so I, I jump in there. First of all, my, my Y axis is inverted. I keep looking up when I'm trying to look down and vice versa. So I'm spending most of my time looking at the ceiling or floor. Could you not change it? Uh, I couldn't figure out how to change it mid mid battle. I see. So I'm just like, well, this is my life now. Uh, <laughs> I find a I find a house. I don't see any anybody. Okay, at first I find a house. I walk in there. It's there's tons of bandages. I'm like, fuck yes. I stock up on bandages. <laughs> I find a shotgun. I find some grenades. I don't know how to use any of these things, uh-huh. but I have them now. So good. I'm good. You're step one, right? Yeah. Step one. I have some things. I walk outside I'm looking for people. Don't see any people. I'm like, I'm just gonna start running around. I look at my map and there's some uh, blue people's names, like blue names on there. And I'm not blue people, uh, people, right, yes. <laughs> people with blue names. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are these friends or enemies? Either way, I need to find them because if they're enemies, I need to shoot them. Yes. Mm-hmm. If they're friends, I need to not be shot by them. So I, so I start running toward one of the blue names. Suddenly, this blue named person crests over the hill in a golf cart. Mm. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's vehicles. So I get. I walk up to the golf cart and I start hitting buttons. One of them puts me onto the back of the golf cart. Perfect. And I'm like, I have done this. Now this person starts driving us around and we come across another group of people. These people do not have blue names. Mm. I start shooting wildly at them with my shotgun. I throw some grenades. They are not taking damage. I think maybe they are my allies. (laughs) (laughs) So... Then one of them runs up to the golf cart and that person gets on the golf cart. Now there's three of us. They're they're definitely your buddy. They're either they're my buddy or enemies can mount a golf cart with you. I don't really understand. And not be killed. And not be killed by me. Or you have terrible aim. Or somehow even with a shotgun at point blank range, (laughs) I can't hit a damn thing. For some reason, they weren't interested in shooting you back. Right. Because my Y axis is inverted and they're Uh like, this person is clearly not a threat. So then, (laughs) so then this golf cart person starts driving us. I think he's trying to find people or he's just. Maybe he's or lost. maybe he's a lot like me like and he you. has no fucking idea what's <laughs> happening either. He keeps running into trees. He almost flips the golf cart at one point. He hits a rock and gets it stuck between a couple other rocks. <laughs> We're driving around for like six minutes. Just aimlessly. Just joyride. Don't find a single person. I just uh, – sometimes I just fire my shotgun into the air just to kind of like keep things fresh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we, Then he drives the golf cart off a cliff. We fly into a ravine with very steep walls. Golf uh, carts are not good in ravines. Yeah. Then somehow or another, I don't understand what happens, but he and this other guy are now on the ground in sort of the like, oh, God, I'm dying position. Because in Fortnite, when you lose all your health, you now are laying on the ground and you can crawl and you need to be revived by somebody. So I'm like, I'm going to, I guess, revive these people who are dying for, for reasons unknown to me. I go and I start to revive them, but they keep crawling away. So like as I'm trying to revive, it interrupts the little progress bar right. and then they, they're – I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? So I keep trying to revive them. Then I look off in the distance and I see the storm is coming, the storm that like closes in like mm-hmm. a ring. And I keep trying to revive them and the storm is coming, storm is coming. And I notice that the storm is parallel to the cliff. Which means I can't run away from the storm. Because you're trapped in a ravine. I'm trapped in a ravine, and I have to now run parallel to the storm. And I'm like, well, fuck these guys. I got to get out of here. So I just leave them there on the ground because, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of made, made their own bed here. I start running. I'm running parallel to the ravine edge. I can't, I can't get out of the storm. I finally find a little ramp, and I start running up the ramp to get out of the ravine. I'm now running away from the storm, but I didn't, I didn't make it. So the storm in, encloses, the storm encloses upon me. I start taking damage. I'm like, maybe I can, maybe I can get there. I keep running into like rocks, trees, buildings, whatever. There's too many things in my way. I can't get back into the safe mm-hmm. zone. So then I'm like, what do I do? I I look in my inventory. I'm like, I still got all these bandages. Perfect. That I found at the beginning. I start bandaging myself. I bandage myself incessantly <laughs> like a maniac. <laughs> I just keep bandaging as long as I possibly can until finally I run out of bandages. Then I wait for the storm to to take me. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I fall down because that's what happens when you lose your health. I'm crawling around. 
I, I still, by the way, have never seen an enemy player this entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, my health slowly dies. As soon as I die, a message pops up on screen. It's like, such and such has won the game. Somebody wins. And I'm like, well, okay, that was something. I open up the scoreboard. I got second place. (laughs) (laughs) Game of the year. Right there. (laughs) So by, I outplayed everybody. Uh Uh-huh. Everybody. So the trick. Except for that one guy. (laughs) So the trick to ranking high in Fortnite is just collect all the bandages. Just just get trapped. Roam into a ravine. Stay on a golf cart and and flee any possible mm-hmm. hostile action. And then don't heal your friends. Just heal yourself when yep. the storm comes <laughs> and let it go. Got it. So that – and I haven't played it since. So that was my whole – that was my whole thing. All right. Let's get on to some questions. Yep, let's <laughs> well, that's actually – it is funny because we were just recently talking about the difference between designed experiences yeah. uh, designed by you know a game designer and uh, the, the random – experiences people have as a consequence of playing with other people or using user-generated content and how the difference in onboarding yeah, is my the most experience. important piece of this because <laughs> on if onboarding is not designed carefully to make sure that everybody kind of gets into the right spot, you know, uh, then the experience is so variable between any mm-hmm. two players that it completely defines their understanding of the game in this way that you basically fragmented the shit out of your player base so mm-hmm. that all of them have had such a different initial experience. Because if you, if somebody came into a match that was super violent where they died immediately and whatever, like that might kick them off of the game now forever. Right. Or yeah, their if, I, if I had come across another player, I probably would have just instantly been killed. Yeah. Cause I had, I had no concept of like yeah. how to fight, how to do anything. I don't know. Like I didn't even know how to change my weapons. I just kept like hitting buttons. And like sometimes I have a grenade equipped. Sometimes mm-hmm. I have a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, I played, I think, a, just a series of matches in it just to kind of feel it out. And the place I finally got to is I just hid in a house at one point. And you can hear people walking around in houses. And you're just like, oh. thump, 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 thump. And so I heard someone run around upstairs, but I was downstairs, so he couldn't hear me on the ground floor. And so I just waited next to the stairwell where we could just shot him in the face with the shotgun when he came out. And then I was like, this is my house now. Perfect. And I know I can hear people in it, which is doubly perfect for me. And so I just hang out and then... Later, I hear more footsteps in the building. And so I stand on top of the staircase again as they come across the staircase because I'm not touching the ground. They can't hear me. I just shoot them and kill them both. It's fantastic. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> so you just kind of made a staircase choke point. Yeah, like a stair. And like I could just hear people and it was super fun. But when I finally fought someone out in the open, they actually knew how to build things while they were yeah. fighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of the trick in Fortnite. And I just. I did accidentally yeah, yeah. build a couple of arbitrary ramps as well yes which if i had known how to do that really well i probably could have gotten out of that ravine more easily <laughs> that's true <actually>. you know <laughs> i just build my own you ramp build way out. yeah yeah didn't know how to do that though mm-hmm. yeah so I, I don't know it's just it's an interesting decision to just not have or if there is a tutorial i didn't i don't I, think there is i one. couldn't find it yeah, which what, that's another problem <laughs> well also interesting stuff in, in fortnite news you know they did bypass the google play store uh and they their android build is out now um so i think they were doing beta testing and stuff they have about 21 million users already on android yeah outside of google play yeah they wrote up a whole blog post about all the technical hurdles they've had to go across because of course they're not using the storefront and google play does do a lot of the stuff in terms of of being able to select what devices you your game can be played on all this yeah yeah it does a lot of work uh because there's a lot more fragmentation on that market there's about about fifteen thousand different devices yeah so they just had to recreate the entirety of what google play yeah basically so they've been sort of they they has really long blog posts that was looking into like the memory stuff they had all those other things that they're sort of dealing with where google has been able to fine-tune this over what a decade now something like that and then fortnite or epic games is like Let's do this in a few months. But they are. I mean, like, if you look at their graph of their their performance graph, as yeah, it's yeah. like they're week they're by doing week. doing it. It's climbing like crazy. So, it's, yeah. So, I guess my overall review is question mark out of five stars. <laughs> well, I have no idea. Right? <laughs> Very confusing. Uh, all right. Let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So, if you'd like to get your question onto a future episode, that's where you would go to do that. Mm-hmm. First question comes from Anonymous. While designing levelhead elements, how do you weigh your own biases as game designers when predicting player choices during their level design process? You all have talked about the cool puzzle like levels you can make. Do you imagine this being utilized and appreciated by your average player? Do you have any player engagement mechanisms specifically targeting the players who only want to play and never create levels? Yes. 
to the last one. So we will have a full campaign in the game, which is designed so that you can just hop in and play levels that you know are good from the get-go. Uh, on top of that, as far as like finding levels to play, we, that's where we're doing putting a lot of work, uh, especially in this next sort of chunk of time, into the browser and really making the experience so that you can find levels or a string of levels to play through that are supposedly of high quality. Um, as it comes to sort of the, the design of elements that players get to put into their game, um, this has been a really interesting one because we... The main question is not actually, will people use this effectively? Uh, because we're pretty big believers that our players are smart enough people that they will figure stuff out. And like, if you if you give people a door and a switch to open that door, you know, you'll start with that as the basics. And then you start ramping up the the volume of the switches that they have available and, and all sorts of stuff like that. And people will sort of slowly build more and more complex things as time goes on. Well, the great thing is it's optional. You don't it's have optional, to put correct. any puzzle elements in your game at all. You can just make an action level yeah. it's just all about fighting enemies mm-hmm. you can make one that's all about just avoiding saw blades and jumping on a platform yeah so the the bigger concern we have actually with the the design of things is that there there are certain things that we have not put in uh put into the game at all because of the easy possibility for using them as basically annoying annoying mechanisms to just like aggravate people who play through the level yeah and this is something we noticed when playing through uh when we did our sort of playthroughs of super mario maker to kind of get a get a glimpse of what this actually turned into for that particular game and they have all sorts of really they're really fun they're fun and it's funny a lot of things. things like screen shakes flashes sound effects right you know so that if your character walks through a certain spot then all of a sudden like maybe like a cat paw flies on screen and slaps mario right. or something which like is that. the thing that happens and yeah. so the problem and that's really funny but the problem is that it's not a good gameplay experience it's not a good gameplay experience because well, it's funny if it happens once and yeah. you're like what i just got slapped by a cat paw yeah if the entire level is covered in this then you now as you walk around you're just being your vision is being obscured by these cat paws yep. coming in and slapping the shit out of your character. Right. Or the the sound effects are just going nuts because there there's a bunch of those different sort of cues set up. And so that's actually been the biggest concern is not not will players be able to figure out how to use this in a in a interesting way. Because I think for the most part, you know, if you give someone a toy, they'll kind of figure out how to it's not about enjoyable. use, it's about abuse. Yes. That's, that's actually that's the biggest well, and the and the lack of nuance for the average yeah. user. You know, because the average user is like, oh, I think cat paws are funny. Then to them that means Fill a level with that. <laughs> yeah, right. And you, you can take that with any, because I, I remember I only played a few levels of Mario Maker before I just never played again mm-hmm. because they were all such a bad experience. And the first one I played was this very short level. Where all you do is run to the end and every single block you step on triggers a firework sound effect. Right. So it's just explosions until you get. Yeah. To- so that wasn't. Yeah, and this is crazy because there, there are so many unbelievably amazing levels yeah. that people have built in this game. But there's even more levels that are built just, Far more. just to basically it's kind of like now that I've got you here, I'm going to troll the shit out of yeah, you. Well, kind so of I thing. think it's it's important to note that what when you build a tool that lets people create stuff, uh, there's there's a, a little bit of an issue because the joy of creation is not equivalent to making something good for someone to play through. Right. So yeah. it can be very fun to make a level that is literally just you being slapped by cat paws. The entire it's very it's like sort of it's you cackling you're, in the yeah background. you're kind of giggling the whole time you're making this yeah but then you ship it you know up to the to the rest of the world and then the experience of someone else playing that is not fun yeah. at all <laughs> yeah, but it was be, fun to make right, right. things yeah. can be fun to make without being fun to play in fact it's, it's actually it's more likely that they're fun to make than well I, th- I feel like yeah. this is the this the don't move style levels yeah. are sort of the epitome of fun to make but not to play right because because a don't move level is you're rigging up this sort of uh, it's like a Rube Goldberg, Rube machine, Goldberg yeah. machine where the character just gets flung across the level in all kinds of zany ways. And the job of the player is to watch, yeah. to do nothing at all, to not play, right? Um, it's like the only winning move is not to play. And so, of course, any any game where the best way to play it is to do absolutely nothing, people would argue it's not that fun. No. That's not fun to play. <laughs> but it is It is a fun, fun to make. Well, it's also a fun category of thing to observe because it's basically people demonstrating their expertise at yes. crafting yeah. levels. It's fun. Yeah, it depends on your expectations. If you yeah. want to go and and watch these, yeah. you know, you don't, you're not playing them, right? But you're watching these don't move levels. Um, then if you have do a, we have a tag for that? We do. Yes. Okay. yes. And so if you, if you have a way to do that and to only look at those, then that's great. But if you're trying to find levels to play through and you keep ending up in these don't move levels, then you're just kind of like weirdly bummed out, right? right. So um, yeah, so there, there's a lot of kind of discoverability issues that we're 
taking pretty seriously and that we're that we're listening to a lot of people who have played these kinds of games before mm-hmm. um so but yeah i think that that is true that's the biggest concern is not not whether people will use stuff well because there will always be people who take it really seriously and make mm-hmm. amazing levels the question is what's the propensity for abuse yeah in these so the only problem we have currently is the only thing we've let in that we know is going to be somewhat trollish is the secret areas aspect of the game so you can secret terrain yes you can lay down terrain that isn't that doesn't actually exist it looks like it does but as soon as you touch it or go pass through it then it becomes invisible um so this is the the purpose of this is to allow you to make secrets uh and maybe to allow you to you know make false blocks or something like that but guarantee you someone's going to make a level that just looks like terrain and then there's just like there's There's very specific things you can land on yeah yeah, well three quarters of it will be totally fake right. and you'll think you're jumping on a platform instead you fall to your death yeah you know? so but part of this is that we we're really trying to use a, a tag system so you can tag your level with three different tags that we've sort of we've curated a batch that we made ourselves so you don't just type it in you you pick from our set um when you publish it and then part of the review process after you're done with the level we haven't exactly landed on this yet but part of the idea is to sort of you know it's it's sort of asking did this level meet your your expectations to some degree so in other words, if I said this was a like super hard level and then it's actually don't move level, then we would expect that the community would, you know, plow yeah, that thing down. Yeah, because that's misleading. That's false yeah, advertising. Misleading. So the whole idea is like it's okay to make a don't move level. It's okay to make a level that is super trollish with but these be honest things, about but it. But just let people know. Be honest about the fact that you're trolling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think it's like, it's like it, it is fun to experience those things when you know that's what you're going to experience. Yeah, it's all about it's all about matching expectations. Yeah, because well, yeah, troll levels can be – because now, now the trick is like, okay, you know you're being trolled, yep. right? And so now you approach the level very differently because you're like, okay, so what does it mean? Everything is a lie. Everything is a lie. Yeah. So now how do I find my way to the end of this right. level? Yeah. So we actually have a tag for traps. Yes. It's like this level is just full of traps, right? So, so was it Trap Quest? Was that the game? Trap Adventure. Trap Adventure. Yes. Yeah. Right. So because we, we watched that video and then that, that is the definition again of – just a troll. It's a troll. Yeah, and if situation, and it is awesome and hilarious, and and it's the kind of game that I would actually love to play because I know going into it that its its whole purpose is to outsmart me. Yes, which means that part of me playing the game is to try to outsmart it in return, right? right? Uh, and when I can't, at least to learn all the patterns that that come mm-hmm. up out of it. Um, and but so if, it's but a if cool. You thought you were coming in to playing, like Mario, yeah, that yeah. it's that's not trap adventure. Right? Yeah. It, it feels very right. It feels very unfair unless yeah. you approach it understanding that it's meant to be completely unfair, mm-hmm. but still beatable. Yeah. So, so we're really hoping that that tag system uh, sort of ends up being the, it's, it should be the bread and butter as far as like being able to both, you know, know what you're benchmarking or a view of a level off of, not just the play experience, but did this meet your expectations? And then also, you know, in terms of, of a creator, you know, if you want to be known for making these hilarious trap adventure style levels, then you, that's a thing you could do. Like you will see all your levels that always have all these tags on that sort of thing. So We'll see how it goes. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's not a build. It's not a building problem. It's an expectations problem. Correct. The right, next question comes from Map Five Five Nine Seven. Before Levelhead, there was Scuffle Buddies. Before Scuffle Buddies, there was Quadrupus Two. Mm. Will these previous projects have their time, or have they been placed on the back burner? Parentheses incinerated. <laughs> they have been back burnered. But there's an important note here, which is that I guess there's a question, which is: Does the game ever die? One that you've worked on, you know? No. Because yeah, the lessons it. live on in your soul. Ah, yeah. And so does some of the code. Yeah, some of the code. That's where code goes. It goes into your yes. soul mm-hmm. pockets. Yes, yeah, so we've taken plenty of code actually from both of those games for other stuff. And then on top of that, they've been giving us ammo for what we think our next project might be, which I'm not going to say anything about. Because um, we're definitely wrong. So, it's, totally uh, wrong so, so they haven't been incinerated. We could say they've been recycled. They've been fiendish. Sort of a reduce, maybe. reuse, recycle uh-huh. mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I can confidently say that that won't be happening with Levelhead. Yeah, because, no, Well, two reasons. One is, you know, we got to publish something because we're going to run out of money. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, got to go out. Yep. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, we, have, we have done so much work on Levelhead to make it really marketable and everything that we're confident that it's going to, that it's going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not really about with Levelhead and, and Quadrupus 2 and stuff. It was more you like, Scuffle Buddies. or sorry. Uh, yeah. With Scuffle Buddies and, and, uh, and Quadrupus 2 is more like we were working on these projects sort of ex- like in an experimental way mm-hmm. um, and trying to figure out like, are these really, we didn't know what they were. Yet. We didn't know what they were. And we were trying to let them sort of discover themselves, but it was just taking a long ass time and we yeah. needed something with a more concrete vision. Which I think I think uh, Levelhead provides. Uh, so I don't know. 
But definitely not. I think scuffle but I think scuffle buddies is probably recycled. I don't know. It's sort of a bird bird food, bird Who soup. knows? Yeah. Yeah. We're basically not gonna worry about it until level heads out. Correct. That's yeah. my that's my take. All right, next question comes from CDC Mully. Hey guys. Hey. As a beginner on the dev scene, <laughs> I was hoping to get your take on trademarking. It's not a it's not a cheap process. So how do you decide if you should trademark your game's name? Is it always necessary or should you wait to see if it gets any success before you do it? Absolutely love everything you guys do. Thanks a bunch. First, we're not lawyers. So not disregard literally everything we say next. Having said that. Having said that. Here's some legal advice. <laughs> uh, yeah, we waited until after for it to do any of it. Cause, yes. Because why? Otherwise. And well, it has definitely not been worth it. Yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that's <laughs> necessarily true. Because trademarks give you one thing that almost nothing else does. The little TM? Which is, no, it's the ability to ask a storefront to act on your behalf meaningfully. Mm-hmm. Um, because things, because names are, are generally too short to be copyrightable, right? So you actually have very minimal copyright protection unless somebody has just literally uploaded your game. Um, but if someone just like wants to use the name of your game for, say, like a, a manual they've made or whatever, if they claim it's – if they make it feel like it's the thing that, that you made – yeah, well, that's, uh, that's trademark the, gives you some protection. I think the first the first note is what a trademark is even for. Yeah. So trademarks come from back in the day mm-hmm. when tradespeople, artisans, if you will, uh, they would ma- maybe a blacksmith, you know, maybe they're a leather worker or whatever it is, like any profession from World of Warcraft you can think of. Naturally, right? alchemist, herbalist, alchemist, engineer. herbalist, <laughs> miner, engineer, whatever. <laughs> Uh, you're you're producing goods, and you want to make sure that that people know that it was you who made it for two reasons. One is advertising, right? So if somebody's like, "That's a dope ass satchel," mm-hmm. where'd that come from? And then you're like, "Oh yeah, Steve's blacksmith shop down mm-hmm. the road. He makes satchels for some reason." <laughs> uh, <laughs> who who knew? Right? Crazy crazy good. Uh, at it. But if there's no marking on it or anything. Then that that fact may be lost, and also there's no authentic way to guarantee that that's who made it. Yeah. Right? So now now I could go over to, to Jim's discount blacksmith, and you show him the satchel, and you're like, "Did you make this?" And Jim's like, "Yeah, yeah. totally, totally made it." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, your name's on it." He's like, "Nobody's name's on it. It could be anybody, or even right? somebody else's name is on it." And he's like, "That's just also my name." Though. Yeah, that's what I use. I put Steve's blacksmith shop on all my leather satchels. I'm Jim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right. So so the purpose of a trademark is literally just to prevent confusion. Yeah. It's to make it so that somebody can't impersonate you when advertising their own commercial products. So it's supposed to be jointly for the benefit of the company who made the thing and also for the customers to not be bamboozled. Exactly. It's a bamboozle. It was a really weird jinx, Adam. (laughs) It is a bamboozle (laughs) prevention device. Device. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is very different than something like copyright which you always anytime you make something you always have a copyright that's just inherent in anything you make but copyright uh literally prevents people from exactly copying the thing so i often hear people talk there's also distribution protection and that sort of thing yes yeah um and so what you often hear is people talking about somebody's like oh i came up with this game idea and then somebody else made that game and like they stole my copyright it's like no they did not because ideas are not copyright if you just have an idea and say words out into the ether um, that is not a copyrightable. Well, thing. even if you write, even if you were to write those words down and like write up a game design document, if somebody else built a game based off of that document, that's still not copyrighted. Right, because what you've copyrighted is the game design document. Yeah, not the ideas yeah. contained within it. Copyrights are much more specific. Than it's ex- it's think. literally <laughs> exactly copying a physical thing that you made. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole thing. Um, so I know people often get these things confused, and you also see on YouTube videos, people go, people post somebody else's shit. And then in the description, they go, I don't own the copyright on this. No Mm -hmm. infringement intended. Right. Except that doesn't, that's not like a get out of jail free card. You can't just announce that you totally know that you stole something Mm -hmm. and then it's fine that you stole it. We should also say, I'm always amused every time we put out a new trailer because then the trailer shows up on these different YouTube channels that yeah, it appears everywhere. Yeah, that their whole purpose is basically just to host trailers. Yeah. And they just they just download our trailer and re-upload it on their own channel mm-hmm. and there it is now, right? Which is completely illegal. There's no Oh yeah. That is 100% illegal. We also we of course don't care because that's just more that's advertising. Just advertising. Right? Uh but the fact that the that they're just so unaware that 
how illegal it is because they're they're just entire YouTube channels and this mm-hmm. is all they do. Well, but the interesting thing about that is that under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act of DMCA. 2000, the DMCA, which often if you t- if you hear like a DMCA takedown notice, um, then it's actually the responsibility of the website YouTube, which acts as a quote bulletin. It's their responsibility to deal with copyrighted content, not the responsibility of the people uploading it. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. kind of an interesting uh, legal mechanism, mm-hmm. but that's why those things happen. So anyways, long story short, there's a, just a little sprinkling of legal mishmash. Well, so what does the trademark actually get us with Crashlands? So, so with Crashlands, so now if somebody were to make another game and call it Crashlands, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so that when somebody did a search, you know, in the app store or whatever, and they, they did a search for Crashlands and they found Crashlands, they also found Crashlands colon the sequel or right. whatever, right? Uh, because we because we do have Crashlands trademarked, right? So if somebody did that, we could be like, no. Then we could we could just basically talk to Apple and say, so we could, we could talk to Apple first and just say, hey, uh, this other company is infringing our trademark because they have made a thing that will confuse your consumer right. base into thinking that this is actually a product that we made. Which right? again is the point of a trademark. Which is the point of a trademark. And so if and and so so Apple and Google, you know, companies in general, they want to avoid being in the middle of trademark issues, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, if you can demonstrate you have the trademark and they're like, oh, yeah, this is probably going to be a problem, then they'll take action in some way. So we can um, just link them to the trademark database and be yeah. like, there it is. Our name's on it. Yep. It says similarly, the end. Similarly, you can, just, you can just go ahead and reach out to that other company and just say, hey, we have a trademark on this and this is definitely causing confusion. Um, so we'll, we'll have to politely request that within a very short period of time, you, you know, change the name of your thing. Right. Um, and which, which I have actually done on some, some like Crashlands manuals and things that have showed up in mm-hmm. Google play, uh, because they very, it would be very easy for somebody to think that we made it because they seem like official right. things. Right. And so I just always reach out and just say, Hey, can you just change this to say like unofficial guide or, or whatever. Right. Uh, and if they don't comply then I report them to Google. So mm-hmm. I've actually used, uh, trademarks pretty frequently because, the, the companies that distribute our games seem to take those way more seriously than copyright infringement. Yes. Um, right. Because they, well, yeah, tra- a trademark is a much bigger deal. Yeah. And, and we can, we could sue the pants off of somebody if they legit violated our trademark and started yep. distributing stuff with our name or our game right. name. So I, I don't think there's anything about this actually like truly stronger, except that like for whatever reason, people seem to take trademarks more seriously. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's also because a trademark less is – less specific too. Because a company that has a trademark is a company that is being proactive in covering its legal bases, whereas yeah. literally anybody who makes something has a copyright. Right. So that so if you have a trademark, you're more likely to have the legal resources to enforce it, yeah. whereas if you have a copyright, you're just anybody. Right? Yeah. Right. So that's the, other thing, that's the other thing that having a trademark does is it sort of just – it's a little flag that you put up that you tell other people, hey, we're taking this seriously. Please don't fuck with us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a while ago, we talked about we're trying to name Rumpus, and we first named it Ruckus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had it – that was the name for a while. Like All the variables in my code base were named Ruckus, right? Uh, and we talked about it a bunch of times. Um, and then we discovered on a trademark search that there was a, a communications company called Ruckus that had a long list of trademarks of various mm-hmm. things, some including the word Ruckus, others not. Uh, but that was a signal to us – this company takes us very seriously. We cannot fuck around with yeah. this. Cause even if we, cause they, they don't make games. And so trademarks are also they're industry specific, they're industry specific. So we would, we would be able to get probably a, a separate trademark of the word ruckus, like for our purposes. Right. But if at any point, because we're all, we're all in tech and, and whatever, it would be mm-hmm. very easy for that company to decide, Hey, I want to, I don't like that you're doing this. And well, technically it's probably legal. I'm going to cause you some fucking problems. Well, because right. here, because here's the final piece of trademark is you have to enforce it. Yeah. If you as soon as you have a trademark and you become aware of somebody that could be infringing, not not that you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely infringement. It's more like that's questionable, but maybe they're infringing. Um, you have to take some kind of legal action that you can document. So mm-hmm. even if it's just sending a cease and desist letter, um, all the way up to actually taking them to court and whatever, you need to create a paper trail demonstrating that you have not abandoned the trademark. Right. Uh, because then if you if you let, say, like 10 years of sort of violations of your trademark go by and then you sue somebody, the court's going to look at that history mm-hmm. and they're going to go, you clearly don't. Yeah, care about you're just thing. being selective here. You, you're not this. You're not actually treating this trademark like a real thing. Right. right? Um, and instead, you're just kind of using it to club one specific party mm-hmm. over the head. So 
uh, which is, and then if you think back on, there was a time, I think it was in maybe 2014 when uh, king.com. Yes. Uh, candy and saga. All right. So yeah. So this is what happens when you get a team of corporate lawyers, like you're a billion dollar company. You've got a huge legal team and their job is to protect the client. Mm -hmm. That's their job, which, which in legal speak means sort of attack everybody else, right? Like you protect your client by murdering everybody Mm -hmm. uh, in business. And so when you apply for trademarks as a company, if you get a a big team of lawyers involved, they're going to advocate for getting the broadest possible trademark so that you can shut down as much competition as possible. Mm -hmm. Because again, if you can say, we have the word the trademark and any game or or digital entertainment product that has the word the in it, we get to take them down. And this is, of course, also why trademarks have to go through a governmental body that decides if they are acceptable or not. Right. So that people cannot trademark the word the. Right. Although King apparently you can trademark candy. Yes. Well, no. No, Saga. No, they att- they had pending trademarks. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, so in these larger cases with these big companies that have billion-dollar products on the line, you know, they're going to take – they're going to apply for broad trademarks. So they had Candy Crush Saga. They said, we're going to trademark – Candy and Saga. We'll leave Crush out of it. For some reason. Uh, and that way, anytime we make a candy-based game or a game with Saga, like Pet Rescue Saga or whatever, then nobody else can use those words because that's like our stamp on the satchel. You know, mm-hmm. that's like our Steve's Blacksmith Shop satchel mark mm-hmm. so that people know if they see candy or Saga that it was made by us. Uh, unfortunately, there were like 50,000 games in the App Store that had – Either one or both of those words mm-hmm. in them. It maybe even came out before yes. Candy Crush Saga. Uh, but according to the law, you know, as soon as you are applying for a trademark and you've got that pending application, et cetera, you need to start behaving as if that is a legitimate trademark. So even while it's pending, yeah. you have to behave mm-hmm. as if you have it. So they start taking down everybody. They, yep. they are, they're going after the Banner Saga, anybody who uh-huh. makes a game that has anything to do with candy whatsoever. In, of all the words, like Saga in particular, as yeah. it relates to video games, like you're this is funny. It. But also candy on, on mobile, yeah. right? Because, because mobile historically was all about the simplest graphics possible, mm-hmm. right? And what's a cute thing with simple graphics? Candy. 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 Yep. So. And a lot, of, a lot of games targeted toward kids, yep. candy, 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 mm-hmm. right? And then, of course, Saga literally means like an epic Viking story. And then you've got this game called The Banner Saga, which is literally a game about Vikings. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then they get they get uh, mm-hmm. hit by this whole thing. So, you know, everybody really goes after King.com for the way they behave during this thing. But I want to point out that they actually acted exactly as the law requires of them. Well, no, they did once they applied for the trademarks because it was still their decision to apply for those that's specific Yes, that's true. So but, I, I 100% again, again, put them on the hook. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that decision was egregious, but that's that's just lawyer stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, lawyers have brains. They didn't have to do that. Nobody – well, no, but think about – That isn't even necessarily the best move for the company. No, but it was the, the best fallout. move for the lawyers, right? Because think about like if you if you are in a, in a job where you're like, okay, I'm going to get paid a shitload of money if I do thing A or I will maybe – I'll probably not if I do thing B, right? Then, then they're going to do thing you're A. You're saying by picking a term that is so broad that they're just going to be in litigation indefinitely. In perpetuity. They yeah. just create a permanent work for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Totally, it's pretty nice. It's a it's a very perverse incentive structure. Yeah, it is. yeah the more broad those uh, those terms are, the more work the lawyers have to do to to sort of solidify their place in the company. Um, so, when should you actually decide if you're going to get a trademark for your game or for anything that you make? Yeah, I think to me, it's basically if if you don't think you're going to make money off of it, then no. Because what if you think you're going to? What make, are you What are you defending against? What if you think you're going to make like a little money? Probably still no, because also for especially with a trademark issue. Um, it, like a company has to be a real asshole before they like try to sue you into oblivion. So it's usually going to be a season desist. Yeah, it's usually going to be a season desist, which means like if you're making very little money, uh, and then someone's like, you have to change something so that you're not infringing on our trademark, and then you're like, cool, I'm going to do that so I don't get into legal trouble, and then you do it, then you're still fine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I think the most the more important thing of all of this is not actually about you getting a trademark. It's about when you're choosing names for things, do a fucking trademark search. Yes, absolutely do that because. Uh, our main strategy for when it comes to legal stuff is to is to minimize the risk that somebody comes after us mm-hmm. far less than it is to minimize the risk that we have like have to go after somebody else, right? right? 
Um, because we don't want to. We're gonna we're gonna try always try to not go after somebody because that's not what anything we want to do. Uh, but people might come after us, and actually, the more successful you become, the more likely somebody's gonna come after you. And so, so you need to act proactively to make sure that if you make a game, you know, with Candy and Saga in the title or whatever, you're gonna have uh, a bad time. You're gonna have you're, yeah, you potentially. <laughs> actually, I think yourself. they might have lost. I'm pretty sure they lost. I think they didn't. I think they didn't get those trademarks. But don't don't quote me on yeah. that. But exactly, you need to, no matter no matter what name you come up with, you need to look it up. And this is actually a, a strong reason why so many companies, especially tech companies, have weird as fuck names. Mm-hmm. Because if you come up with a weird as fuck name, it is basically impossible for some other company to come along and be like, "Oh, we're also Flickr now." And for even if you didn't have that trademarked, right. and for some, and for a judge to be like, "Oh yeah, this is totally reasonable that this happened," and and I see nothing wrong with this, right? Um, that I there, know there is there's one caveat to this. Huh. Which is if you become so successful with your weird as fuck name, oh, like a Xerox or Kleenex, like Xerox or Kleenex, anything with an X in it, basically. Apparently, yeah. Uh, you run the risk of of what is it called? It's called generis genericide or something. Yeah. Where like your your word, or even when someone somebody doesn't say, "I'm going to go search for this on the internet." Basically, the made they up. Say, I'm going to Google. Yeah, that. the made up name that you gave your product, so like tissues are not Kleenexes becomes actually the word people use to refer to that thing yeah. in reality. So now you've run into trouble because you've lost – you've done so well that you have created a new legitimate word in the English language or whatever language your company's in that is generically used for all things. So if somebody says, oh, yeah, why don't you go uh, make some Xeroxes and then they take it over to like – Whatever this other company is, Steve's, Steve's machine, Steve's yeah. blacksmith shop, uh, uh, <laughs> copy machine edition. Yeah, yeah. So then you go over there and then you Xerox stuff on the Steve's blacksmith copy machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, then now you've run into trouble because Steve didn't do anything. He's not trying to take your trademark, but you are now using the word Xerox to refer to his product, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so now you've run into you've run into the situation where now as a company you have to figure out how do we un how do we ungenericize this? And I think it was in the '90s, actually. Xerox started taking out full-page ads in magazines, trying to trying to create a paper trail of like <laughs> of edge of uh, like of a public, public a public yeah. awareness campaign where they're like, when you go to make some copies, you're not Xeroxing unless it's on a Xerox machine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> At that point, you've lost that battle. That's gone. They, they yeah. didn't lose their trademark, though, I don't They think. did not lose the trademark. But I'm pretty sure they had a few battles yeah, about but it. They, but I mean, yeah. like, as far as the public, is, like, you're not going to educate the entire public through some magazine ads to stop calling it a Xerox. Well, no, but again, like, yeah. a, lot of this, a lot of this legal stuff is literally just about demonstrating that you're making a legitimate attempt. It's about trying. You know? It's about yeah. trying. You get a participation. Well, it's about trying, and then it's about what judge you get. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... That's basically it's it. a 50 50. Yeah, you just a, never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, this is also why we always say when it comes to uh, to copyright stuff, um, just literally never claim fair use. Just don't. Yeah. If, you, if you're trying to use a thing and you're like, I think this is probably okay, just don't even. Don't even do it because the only time you can find out if it truly was fair use is if a random judge agrees with you. Mm-hmm. No matter how clear cut it seems to be, some judge can just be like, no, based on my slightly different interpretation of fair use, I think. Yeah, and there, so there's this not. there's this running joke about like if you ever ask a lawyer any question at all, their answer is always it depends. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and so you can you can look at something that you've made and something that like might be a questionable like trademark that might conflict with the thing that you've made or whatever it is, and you can tell yourself all day like yeah, this is fine, this is not violating that thing, mm-hmm. right? But the only the only mechanism by which that question truly gets answered is in court. Yep. Right? Like there's no textbook that just outlines yeah. exactly where the boundaries are. That's an expensive way to answer a question. Yeah. Yep. So don't play with the fire. Just kind of steer clear of anything yeah. that might be. It does make naming things way more annoying. It does. It's super say. annoying. Because yeah. I think I, for hey, it was Scuffle Buddies and then also for Whippersnappers before that, we came up with – I don't even know. I think each one had like five or six different names that then was like super excited about it. Like, yes, it's perfect. And they go look at the trademark. And like, okay, never mind. Yeah. Just I think for whippersnappers, there was like 50 different small businesses that all had mm-hmm. like uh, kid oriented things. Yeah. Yep. Usually, yeah. Like a, like a, a kid's photography studio or like a play area. Yeah. Yep. Was, and, Daycare. Yeah. And it's such a cool word. But yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't do it. Although so we could yeah, have because there wasn't one in our that one was industry. Fine. Yeah, that one was fine. We just but our lawyers still every time said, 
We don't technically recommend this because there's some risk, you know, from these parties. Well, yeah, that's that's another sort of hilarious outcome of all this. Is if you ever ask a lawyer like, should I apply for this trademark? Their answer is always no. Because, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's risky. Yeah, because well, it, as soon as there's, they say there's nothing that removes your risk when it comes yeah, to legal correct. stuff. As soon as they say yes, they've now convinced you to do something that actually might get you sued. Mm-hmm. Because even if it seems fine, you still might get sued mm-hmm. for it. Because anybody can sue anybody for anything. Exactly. Welcome to America. So, if, yeah. I mean, you know, you never never really ask a lawyer about this. <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to say no. You it know, did get me. to a point where I was coming up with these names. Or I think Save I was talking to Adam. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, do I have to ask these people? Because every time they yeah, spend I, like four I, days. I had to remind – yeah, I had to, I had to I mean, like, remember that our job – our relationship with them is not to get yeses and nos. Our, right. What their job is is to there's, inform there's, us yeah. to the best of their ability the extent of our risk for some decision right. that we're going to make. And then we – then it's our job still always to decide how much risk are we comfortable with. Because yeah, every time I got one back from them, they're like, we can't recommend it. And yeah. I'm like, what can you do then, lawyer? Because I'm <laughs> well, getting tired. That's not their – you got to always understand that that's not what their job is. They're not, they're not a business manager. They're there to just say – what the risks are, which there are always are risks. Yeah. And then, when, and and then also they'll do, always say that that's right. The and then if you do get sued, then their next job is to act on your behalf to demonstrate that the other party is wrong. Right. Yes. So that's, so those are their, those are their core jobs. jobs. Yep. Uh, as soon as you start, again, it's an expectations problem. Yeah. You know, you start to expect other things. That's true. You're going to get, you're going to fall into a trap. Mm-hmm. So, yep. all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. Uh, if you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server over at discord.gg slash bscotch and come say hello. Also, if you would like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop at shop.bscotch.net. Or if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. And again, we do have Shenanicon coming up. Uh, which you can find the address for at meet.bscotch.net. And if you want to give us some money arbitrarily, you can do that at moneygrab.bscotch.net. So there's a pattern here. Yeah. Feel it. It's a very bscotch.net centric URL yep. mm-hmm. uh, thing. We maybe need to condense this sort of ending piece. Maybe if there's one URL, we could just be like. That just has a list of all the other URLs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you want to hear the ending to the podcast, just go, go over to there. endingofpodcast.bscotch.net. <laughs> <laughs> let's, get, let's lock that down. Ending of, I mean, nobody can take it from us, so there's no ending of podcast. Yeah, lock that down <laughs> on our completely locked down service. Yeah, we got to trademark that. Uh huh. All right, well, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.